Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. Um, if you've got a Bible with you or a Bible app, can you turn with me to Mark chapter 16? So kind of New Testament, Matthew, Mark chapter 16 at the end. And I want to go back to the first Easter Sunday and read the account and walk through this moment with these three women, Mary, Mary and Salome, and just watch what they saw and how we ended up on a Sunday morning, 2000 years later, still talking about this event. So Mark chapter 15, 16, sorry, from verse one. When the Sabbath was passed, that was their Saturday, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. That's Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another as they were walking along the way, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. Mark adds, it was very large, just so you know. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. It wasn't Jesus. And he said to them, Don't you be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee, that you will see him just as he told you. It feels like there's a little bit of a, you know, remember, he told you about this stuff. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Before I start talking, I want to pray because I don't know where you are spiritually or what you believe about Jesus. I'm surprised myself that I'm here talking to you about Jesus. If you told me this as a kid, I would never have believed you. Yet here I am. I would like to pray for us. This will be a blessed time. If you're part of Beacons, it's nice to have you. Can we give the Beacons a round of applause, by the way? Because they're here with us. Thank you, Olivia, Ethan. Don't look afraid. You don't have to do anything. We just appreciate you and your presence. But I want to pray for us, if that's all right. Father... Thank you for this day, a day overflowing with hope. And I ask, Lord, however we arrived this morning, however we woke up when the the sun rose on us this day, Lord, would you leave us going to bed today filled with hope because of this Jesus? Flood our hearts and our minds, we pray, with, with truth. And it's in his name we pray this. Amen. Jesus has had an impact on our life. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, we cannot deny that Jesus has had influence and impact in our culture. Western society is saturated with the influence of this Jesus. We split our history by his birth. Our our weekends 
We have them Saturdays and Sundays because of Jesus. Our Sunday trading laws are still different from every other day. Why? Because of this Jesus. Our schools, our hospitals, the very fabric of the city we live in has been shaped and influenced by this man, Jesus. He's our go-to swear word as a culture. And today over two billion people follow this man and say he is king of kings and lord of lords. And the question I want to ask us today is why? Why do we still remember this man? Why has Jesus had such an influence on our society and who we are today? Because there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other Jewish men who were crucified by the Roman Empire outside of Jerusalem. He was not unique in this matter. Hundreds and hundreds of other Jewish men, rebels, those who are trying to overturn the Roman Empire. So why is it that this man, this Jewish man who was crucified, why is he now remembered? And the answer I want to give to us and contemplate with you for a few moments is the the only reason why we sing about Jesus and we don't sing about other Jewish men who were crucified is because of this Sunday morning and what happened in the quiet hours pre-dawn before these three women arrived to this tomb about a half mile outside of the city of Jerusalem. The only reason we sing to Jesus and have been shaped by him is because he became alive again. If he had not risen from the dead, we would not be here. We would not have hospitals named after saints. Our weekends would look very different. We might be able to go shopping earlier on a Sunday. We may not swear using Jesus Christ as our go-to swear word as a culture. Everything would have been very different. But because he did rise from the dead, we are still talking about him. We are still celebrating. People are still finding life in his name. We are still finding forgiveness. And there is an abundance of hope to be had. Hallelujah. Because of this Jesus. I want to lay out before us as we start is this truth that Jesus became alive again after he was crucified. This truth is not moderately important. This isn't a niche religious thing that some people have a festival once a year when they remember someone who rose from the dead and it's good for some people and it's, you know, it's, not, it's not for others. This isn't moderately important. We can't leave this as a niche festival that some believers in faith attend. This is of all importance or no importance. As one professor, Professor Alice Roberts said quite pointedly, granted on Good Friday, she's not a believer. She said this, just a little reminder today, dead people don't come back to life. I'm not offended by that. I think that's the very point. Dead people don't come back to life and Jesus did. Therefore, we celebrate a miracle happened 2000 years ago. A dead man became alive and we've got an option. We can't leave it like on the shelf like this is moderately important. I'll play around with this as an idea. If he is dead, if he if the body had been found, if the body had been presented, this gathering is pointless. Genuinely so. I'll retire and find another job. I don't know what I'll do. Like Bible teaching is not good on the CV. Um, but but if, if, if this man became alive again and never died again, but rose to the right hand of the father on high, this has infinite importance. So let us approach this 
like the weight that it is due. If you're not a believer here, if you don't follow Jesus here today, there's two answers. This happened or this didn't happen. If it didn't happen, we'll all go home. If it did happen, we need to pay attention to this man at every single word that he said. So what happened on this Sunday morning? We get these three women who were not expecting a resurrection. Do you get this? I mean, I, I love just the, the humanity of the whole thing. They had not planned. They, they, they had bought some spices. They were going to like uh, um, prepare the body for burial properly. But they were st- still on the way there. And they hadn't thought about who's going to like turn the stone away. Huge stone. in the, in the they, they were just going. They had no idea. There were Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. They weren't going to let. They had no idea. Yet they were walking towards a dead body. They were preparing to bury their own hope in the body of Jesus Christ. They were preparing for an end. They were not expecting a resurrection and a beginning. And it's so important for us in the 21st century to get this because we can sometimes think, well, 2,000 years ago, it's kind of pre-scientific. They were slightly more you know, disposed towards believing in miracles and signs and spirituality, etc. And we have got science and we have like slightly un- more understood like what happens and why the stars are where they are and like we've got science now and they were kind of but they weren't predisposed to believing in the resurrection they were not expecting and they had Jesus personally tell them time and time again I'm going to get up after three days like you've got to understand I'm going to be crucified but I am going to become alive again he had told them and told them and told them and still it had not gone into their minds that this was even a possibility for Jesus And even for us today, we are actually surprisingly open, I think, to the spiritual, surprisingly open to ghosts, surprisingly open to a spiritual realm, whether you're a Christian or not. And yet we still find the resurrection an impossibility to believe in, just as these women did. We are no different to them. Nothing changes. A dead person does not become alive again. And so they're walking to the tomb. They're asking questions. They are depressed, they are sad, hope is being buried as they bury the body of Jesus Christ. And this is what we find in verse 4. They looked up and they saw that the stone had been rolled back. How would you have felt at this point? Like, okay, the Romans have done something. Something has happened. And it was very large. And entering the tomb, I'm not sure I would have entered the tomb. I'm not sure, but like, okay, I'm staying at, like, I'll go get someone else to come and enter the tomb because I don't know what is going on here. And they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, another of the gospel writers tells an angel, and they were alarmed. Imagine being this, being told by God, your duty today is to tell the world, to be the first voice to tell the world that God himself became alive again, never to die. It is your job. Just imagine like, you've got to enter these stories sometimes. What would he have been like when he was waiting there? You know, like, is he waiting like he's waiting for the bus? How long had he been waiting there? Was he excited? Was he nervous? He knew something extraordinary was going on around him. And he got the privilege of telling these three women these words. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. You will see him. 
you will see him. Just, just imagine, put yourself in that scenario. What would your reaction have been in this moment? How would you have felt if you had come across this angel in this moment? I would have thought, like for myself, if I put myself in this, I would have been like, he's alive. Hey, Mary, that's, that's good news, right? I would have thought like, okay, maybe like, well, we bought all these spices. They were quite expensive. Like you begin to think, Maybe we can get a return on these. I don't know if you got, did you keep the receipt? I didn't keep the receipt. You would take it back. I don't know. We'll have to go back to the guy who sold it to us. What, what are they thinking? Like, oh, that cheeky Jesus. He's always up to tricks, isn't he? You know, like the feeding of the 5,000. He does this kind of stuff. Like that's a miracle kind of thing that he does. Do you remember like he healed that lady? He's a, he's a tricky one, that Jesus. You know, like, ah, oh, don't wait till I get him. He's pulled our leg again. You know, like that's kind of how I would have thought like, Oh, okay, well, let's go see Jesus. But what do we find out with these three women? What's their reaction? They went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. What on earth is going on here? Jesus has become alive and their reaction, we're told, the ESV says they were seized, that they were gripped. That I would imagine right now, physiologically, adrenaline was coursing through their body. They were ceasing to think straight and their body was trembling. If you've ever been in a moment, like a high tense moment, and you know when adrenaline is beginning to course through your body, this is what is going on right now. And we're told that they were afraid. I want to suggest for two reasons they were feeling afraid right now. Firstly, they were processing the realisation that they were coming into contact with a power that was otherworldly. They had come close to a power that they did not know about beforehand. And Mark previously had said, like many times, they'd been with Jesus and they had come away afraid. Jesus spoke to the weather. He told the wind and the waves to calm, be still. And what happens is they were greatly afraid, we're told, because they realized this man has power. He can do things that other people can't do. That is a natural response. When Jesus healed a woman, the woman went away afraid because she realized this is no ordinary man I cannot treat him like an ordinary person he has power time and time again there was this like if you go too near something that has like power like if you go close to a nuclear reactor I've never done it but you know like I've been to Sizewell Hall if you've never been to Sizewell Hall on the Suffolk coast there's Sizewell nuclear it's like thingy bobby like you get these huge things you get close and you're not even on the inside and there is a slight kind of like you're aware that there is power in there that is like huge if it were to be released you do feel slightly different in the shadow of that building Imagine if you came into contact with a man who had otherworldly, life-changing, resurrection-giving, life-giving, hope-giving power. How would you feel? I think you might start feeling slightly nervous. What happens if I get too close to this man who can just become alive again like that? You cannot kill this man. Nothing sticks on him because he comes back to life and he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They were afraid because they realized they were coming close to power. And secondly, I want to suggest that they were afraid because they were beginning to realize that everything they thought they knew about life was changing in front of them. 
everything that they thought they knew about their future, about their now, about their beliefs, about what the world is about, about what humanity can be about. Everything that they thought that they knew is suddenly being ripped apart, thrown in the bin, and they have been given a brand new script. And if you've ever walked into the something unknown, you will know there are like, there's, there's some nerves. Like if you remember those first few days at school, like I remember at like primary school, like three days in, I burst into tears because I suddenly realized, I don't know what's going on around here. Or you do your first, like go to uni for the first time or the prospect of your first day at work or the prospect of getting married or the prospect of having your first child. And you, you know everything will change with this moment and there are nerves. What if everything you ever knew about your future was suddenly ripped up? I want to suggest you would feel nervous. You would feel slightly unsettled in that moment. Thomas Merton, who's an American priest, was an American priest and activist. He said this. He said, your life is shaped by the end that you live for. So we all have an end in mind for our life. Whatever we think it is, we all have a picture of the good life that we are attaining to, that we are aiming for. We all have an understanding, spoken or not, of what our life after this life is going to be like. If there is no afterlife, that shapes how you behave today. If we are just physical matter, through chance, become human beings and then return to physical matter, and it's just one big circle of life, if that's the end that you're living for, then that will shape your life today. Eat, drink, be merry, eat avocados, do CrossFit, try and keep death as far away as possible, because it's coming for you and you want to elongate the short amount of time that you have right now. And you live with a certain nagging anxiety that everything that you're really working hard towards is actually going to be rendered meaninglessness, meaningless. Because if death comes, Tor and I were working this out. You know, I I don't know the names of my great grandparents. I don't know if you do. I don't know the names of my great grandparents. My parents have probably told me, but I don't remember their names. So Tor and I were contemplating this. Micah and Kiki, their grandkids won't know anything of all of the 70 odd years, if God gives me 70 years, any of my life. He won't know my ne- they won't know my name. They won't know what I was about. Like, it's, what am I living for? If even my great grandkids probably won't remember me. And yet, what if there was a man who had died and punctured a hole through death and created a way through death so that there was a way to a glorious life, a life that in your dreams you hope could be true. What if there was a man who actually punctured that hole through death so that you could walk through to the other side and find that what is death and the end of this life is actually only the beginning of a far better life? What if that were the case? I think we would be excited and if it's your first time of contemplating that, it means everything changes. Your ambitions might change, your life might change, what you give your time to might change. I mentioned Jordan Peterson just a few weeks back. I want to quote him just once more on this very thing. Because in an interview he was asked about his Christian faith. And he hasn't been a Christian and he's been on this journey. I don't know where he stands now with Jesus. But he says this, The problem is that I probably do believe... And that I'm amazed at my own belief 
and I don't understand it. He says, I believe it's undeniable and we have a narrative sense of the world. And for me, that is the world of morality, the world that tells us how to act. It's real. And Christ seems oddly plausible, but I still don't know what to make of it, partly because it's too terrifying a reality to fully believe. I don't even know what would happen to you if you did fully believe. This is a man contemplating like Mary, Mary and Salome, contemplating the realities of a resurrection and maybe not quite having met this Jesus. And in that moment of like everything could change right now. And I want to encourage you if you're here today and if you're watching on the live stream, I want to encourage you. If you feel nervous contemplating this resurrection, don't discard that as a sign that this is not true. We are hardwired to follow a path of comfort and well-being and ease and nothing that disrupts our worldview. But potentially, the, you being nervous or anxious as you contemplate this resurrection, that you are coming into a reality that's bigger and more vast and more beautiful and grander than you ever thought could be true. Your nerves could be the sign that you've actually stumbled into truth. Everything could be changing. But fear, and this is the good news, fear is not the only thing. It's like, guys, go away, tremble, fear, that's your like, job for today. No, there is actually more emotion here. What we told is this, for trembling and astonishment, and the Greek there is ecstasis, where we get ecstasy from. There is trembling and joy, trembling and ecstasy, because in this resurrection, there is an awareness of hope. These three women, just imagine them going home physically, trying to calm their bodies down and processing mentally as they are understanding Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And what, he is risen. He, he is risen. He is risen. Did, did, he, did he say he is risen? He said he is risen and this bubbling hope starting to arise, this ecstasy starting to arise in their hearts because they realise this is not all there is. The darkness of this world is not all there is. The loneliness of the world is not all this there is. The physical pain of this world is not all there is. The trauma and the relationship heartache is not all there is. There is something beyond us that is better and brighter and healed and glorious because of this man's resurrection. There is, if you can see with the eyes of faith, a door through death now. So death does not have to clamp your life down, but death can become a flung open door and there is light now streaming through this door. And if you can see with the eyes of faith, there is hope on the other side. If you're in poverty right now and yet in your pocket you have a lottery ticket that says Monday morning you can cash this in for £25 million tax-free in your account tomorrow by 9am. If you're living in poverty today with £25 million coming tomorrow, you will not worry about the poverty today because £25 million is coming tomorrow. If you're living in darkness today, you do not need to fear because of Jesus, because light is coming tomorrow. You might be lonely in this life, but friendship is coming tomorrow. You might feel physical pain in this life, but healing is coming tomorrow. 
even though the psalmist says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, it overflows. Surely goodness and mercy followed me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy got me to glory and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever because of this man's resurrection hallelujah there's a banquet waiting for us if you've got faith you can like smell the chicken Nando's just imagine Nando's but glorified there is peace there is joy there is friendship there is shalom There is God's presence emanating already from glory for those who would follow this man, Jesus Christ. Everything hangs in the balance with this truth. So what I want us to do, church, is I want us to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've been through a tough year. I found it emotionally tough at points. You lose your plans. You lose kind of things in your diary. You lose hope you've got COVID, you feel physically awful. And we've experienced this kind of corporate suppression, sometimes depression. All of us, I think, at points have felt pretty emotionally low because of this lockdown. Stuff has been locked off from our future. And we're in this moment right now where actually hope is beginning to arise. The weather's nice. We're beginning, we can see like groups of six. We're beginning to make plans for the summer. There's a prospect of maybe getting that barbecue going again. We could see for, like there is hope rising up. And what I want to invite us to do is not to simply put our hope in this summer. That this lockdown, this temporary lockdown is going to be lifted. Let my put all my hope in that. Because we could leave a temporary lockdown in this life and find ourselves in a permanent lockdown with all loss of plans, with all loss of hope in our death. The government can manage. They can't get us out of this lockdown, but they can manage us coming out of this temporary lockdown. The government, no human being, no societal means, no policies can get us out of the permanent lockdown that is death. Only one man, Jesus Christ, has punctured a hole through that permanent death and his name is Jesus. He became alive and we need to put our hope in him. Because what is another 30, 40 years outside of this temporary lockdown if we enter into a permanent one forever? We need the one person who can get us out of the permanent lockdown, Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you, if you're not a Christian, if you've never thought, I want to put my trust in this Jesus, you might do it through kind of a beating heart, sweaty palm, say, my life might change because of this, but I want to put my hope in this Jesus. Today can be that day. We're going to break bread and share communion together. You could take the bread and share the wine for the very first time and say, I want to follow this man, Jesus, through that door into glory. For those of you who already are Christian, let me encourage you. Don't just fix your eyes on the summer. Go all the way to Jesus because there is a summer that is coming that is going to beat the summer of 2021 by a million fold and then glorify that and then put an infinity mark at the end of it. It is going to be wonderful because of this man, Jesus Christ. Amen.